I'm Ricardo Fuller, and you're listening to the Wizard of Driven podcast. <sighs> Hello, and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Caldershaw, and I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hello, David. Hi, Chris. <laughs> and Ben Cartwright is also here. Good evening. In it nice, just the 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 main three, the best three, uh, back around the mics once again. Just having a having a good time, aren't we all? Just really happy. <laughs> it's still been a very, 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 very long time since I was on a post-win podcast. Uh, for whatever reason, the fact that I'm not on many and the fact that we don't win many is probably a big part. Of it. Yeah, I feel like I haven't been on many post-win podcasts either, and I'm on every podcast, so. I don't think there's been that many post-win podcasts since we started the podcast. <laughs> so someone as we know, calculate. Yeah, yeah, as, as discussed someone crunched the, the numbers. It's, yeah, it's our fault. So we should have got Tom Thrower on. Get, crunch those stats. <laughs> but then he'd be on about expected podcasts, and we'd all be like, <laughs> "Oh God, Tom, with your stats." So Stoke ballot football once again. Uh, we did ask for some three-word reviews, but in a plot twist uh, i've uh, decided to drop uh, those uh, social media posts and i'm moving to a new kind of social media post for our uh, comic delight and it's going to be uh, looking at the official stoke city facebook pages uh, comments <laughs> and just seeing what the fans of our great club think should happen and just get a sense of you know where the fan base is at so okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, i might put some uh, music under this or something but I've said it for a long time Shawcross is past it P-A-S-S-E-D and no longer a captain give Federici a chance and the captaincy to Ince is that Federici instead of Shawcross because I mean I, I mean the way the way it's written it looks like it okay cool I'm for that he's made a big old bed for himself by talking up wholesale changes at the back He'll have to sleep in it now and ring the changes come Wednesday. Start off by dropping RS, Juf, and Coco Beware, or whatever his name is. Well, uh, a really difficult name as well, isn't it? Martin. Uh, uh, Coco Beware. Almost as hard as Adam, or Adams. <laughs> For starters, drop Shawcross, too, too slow, Juf not good enough, tell Peters less back, passing goals up the other end, and for not playing Bowerer, stop having a chip on your shoulder, get Horn on the pitch, Butler needs to focus, stop letting stupid goals in. That was one sentence. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> the pros. Ha 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 hope you're in League One next season. Have you not noticed how good the Premier League is without you peasants, rat emoji? This year you're not missed one bit. Good riddance for that. Who said that? Can we, ne- can we first name and shame them? I, I can happily name and shame that guy. Just, uh, I'll, I'll send you all his address and we can just go around his house. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, absolutely disgusting. Not only do they let the fans down, they let themselves down also. They are not professionals, just in it for the easy money. Stoke should start a system where if you win, you get paid a full bonus. A draw give you half pay and a loss? Question mark. They should hang all their heads in shame. I'm pretty sure that we have win bonuses already. Like that's pretty well established in football, isn't it? They, I want you... to I want to read the contract of a of a player who has hang your head in shame if we lose a game. That's <laughs> you're contracted. 
buy out claws, ten million pounds, hanging head claws every loss. <laughs> Absolute clown, been here since June, four months, and still doesn't know what to do. Are you an idiot, Mister Coates? <laughs> I mean, no. I'd like to see him answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, the way Nigel Johnson's going, he might ask him that uh, next interview. Are you an idiot, Mister Coates? Uh, and uh, finally, before we start the proper discussion, Stevie Wonders is free next match. Give him a run out, silly. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie Wonders. <laughs> I wonder. Stevie, Stevie Wonders is playing alongside Charlie Adams in the midfield. Charlie Adams and Stevie Wonders. Oh, so that's good the, vis- isn't it? the vision you've got Charlie Adams vision and Stevie Wonder's <laughs> vision <laughs> they can spot it. they can spot all the passes <laughs> oh. Steve, Stevie Wonder's is just coaching him in uh, how to pick a pass and uh, <laughs> that reminds me of the one of the greatest um school taunts I ever heard um, there, I don't endorse like being mean or anything but uh, there was one incident which involved a, someone making fun of another kid's glasses it, 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 like, it, it escalated from a previous argument so it wasn't entirely a glasses based feud but <laughs> what, what happened was they got arguing with each other and the the kid in like this uh, fit of like these are sick formers, I think. But um, in, in just pure anger with this with this other lad, he just said, "Well, if you were on FIFA, your vision would be ninety nine because your vision's really good because you've got classes." <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> Same as you, Chris. Oh yeah, thanks. Your vision would be ninety nine. Thank you Chris. for noticing. Yes, it would. Oh. Yes, it would. I would be the best at the FIFAs. You'd be better than Stevie Wonders, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, reasons I wish I was blind, uh, Stoke City lost <laughs> 3-2 to Blackburn uh, yesterday. And Chris, uh, I can't really speak right now. Can you tell me what went wrong? Everything went wrong. Uh, nothing was good, with the exception of Berahino scoring a goal. And that was nice. It was... I, 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 I just don't get it. Like, literally, every single thing on the pitch, we are second best at. We can't pass the ball. If we're put under the slight amount of pressure, we lose the ball. We don't pass with pace. We don't pass with intent. We're scared to create things. We... We we can't dribble with the ball. The 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 shine the only shining light I feel is some of the new players who like Atebo and Woods who I don't think Woods had an amazing game, but I think it was quite clear his quality showed yesterday. Um those two at least were there were occasions where they were put under pressure and they managed to hold on to the ball. Everyone else, I, as soon as they were closed down, we, we we were lost. We don't win the second balls, we don't we're we're one dimensional in every single way and we look scared we look scared to 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 do anything as soon as soon as you we are put under any bit of pressure our heads seem to go and our players just seem to 
panic and and we're not even that good at lumping the ball forward either like it's aimless we are we are aimless in every single aspect of football and it, it, it's it's I think it's obvious that the wins that we have had this season are against teams who do not put us under too much pressure. Um, Swansea pressed us in midweek, but I don't think they were a very they weren't a very good side. And um, I was listening to the Not the Top Twenty preview podcast who spoke about this championship fixture between us and Blackburn and said Blackburn are more clinical than Swansea. They fear that Blackburn would put us to the sword, and oh, lo and behold, look, yes, they did. We we just look we look weak in all over the pitch, and we're just bad at football, <laughs> really bad. Yeah, I mean, sorry. It, it's it's so many things, and you've you've outlined a few of them there, Chris. And I don't I don't know how much the manager is to blame for where we are now in terms of looking crap in the championship. But the thing I'm kind of most concerned about at the, at the start of the season, just looking at our results, and you can say, yes, against Sheffield Wednesday, we were much the better team, and we're arguably unlucky to have dropped points there, and you can point to individual moments that turn games. But we've beaten two teams this so far this season, a 10-man Hall side and a Swansea side that was just patchwork at best, missing several key players. And that was via a goal that was miles offside. And it's not that we haven't taken a big scalp yet. We haven't even taken a medium-sized scalp. We just... We look well below the standard for the championship, which is very, very concerning, given that our squad and our manager, in theory, is, you know, was all touted to be one of the best. And... This isn't me saying, oh, I think we're going to go down. It's This is just underlines how shit these performances have been, where not even really good championship sides are taking us to the sword. Wigan tear, teared us apart. Blackburn teared us apart. They both played in League One last season. And uh, Ben, I think most of the, the finger pointing has been at the back line. I mean, how do you how do you sort out the fact that we just concede goals f- for fun? Well, I mean, that is the big question. And it's it's looking at their goals yesterday and many more opportunities throughout this season. You just you look at the defence and where they are and it, it makes absolutely no sense. Their third goal, I think, the, the chance that should have been a goal where it hits the post and, and whatever. I'm looking at the back line and they're literally all over the place. There is no organisation. There is no semblance of knowing what's going on. And the way to sort it would obviously be bring in... An, some new players to freshen it up which we just didn't do we brought in Ashley Williams and now we're stuck in a position where it's like do we bring in Ashley Williams or Suter to save our defence when Ashley Williams loses his head whenever anyone touches him and Suter hasn't played a game hardly a game at the top level I don't know how many he's played for us or whatever um, but yeah I, I do not understand what is wrong with these players ment- mentally there's a mentality there that whenever it starts to go wrong they are like a wine glass hitting a concrete floor because they just shattered <laughs> and go, go all over the place and and I don't know how Rowett sorts it out because this isn't a, this isn't a manager thing 
this is this goes deeper than we ever ever thought in the Premier League. We are, as you say, Dave, a poor Championship side, and it's embarrassing. How do we sort it? I have no idea. I mean, imagine having Muniesa at the back because he'd be, mm-hmm. <laughs> he'd like to think yep. it'd be miles better than this lot. Anything yep. would be miles better than this lot. Robert Huth was linked to us in the summer, and at this point in time, like, come on down, Robert. <laughs> we can take anything that we oh, can get. Oh God. Are we going to get the band back together? Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe we should have show, uh, signed Johnny Waters after all. Maybe that was the answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it is a, a mentality thing. I and mean, the word you use, Chris, there uh, was scared. We look scared mm-hmm. in possession. We, we're we scared to pass it backwards in case the crowd has a go at us. We're scared to lump it forward in case we lose the ball. We're, ca- we're scared to play forward passes in case they don't quite come off. And I, I think pretty much every player in the back four experiences that and that seeps into their game anyway they're they're too they seem to be too worried about either what the crowd thinks or just kind of the general pressure of oh god we're going to concede it's like if you keep thinking something will happen then eventually it will happen to you and Mm -hmm. Shawcross and Martins indeed just look like people who just expect uh, to be beaten to the ball and the only time Jack I see Jack Butler now is is when he's just screaming in in anger, and I I can totally understand it because he's I don't think he's had a save to make in that game. He, he's had to pick the ball out of his net three times, and then they hit the post for a, what would have been a fourth chance. And they are the four times that they get behind us. So it's not like we're constantly you know under attack. It's just we so easy to carve open that teams don't need to really hammer yeah. the door down to 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 get in yeah. so it's just uh, and i think yeah. i said not even liquid football no just over the top as well it's not even like oh blackburn have done wonderfully well there any of those goals it's just so simple don't don't you think it's interesting i would say we've had that same issue though since funnily enough since mark hughes Stoke lost to Blackburn away when we lost four whatever we conceded four Mm. and it was just four balls over the top to Josh King who put them in I think since Mark Hughes's day this team has always had an issue with direct football I mean we've had an issue with all kinds of football but (laughs) I think I I, we, we can't deal with those type of balls and and I, I, I don't know. I feel it's a, a personnel issue. I don't think Shawcross. I, uh, he, he's he's just caught unawares in those things. His positioning is isn't in that good in those situations, or he's he's too afraid. Same with Martin Zindi. And uh, someone made the point of this is uh, three three quarters of the four who made up the majority of the games last season, and. For a team that conceded so many goals going down, I, I'm i kind of now of the opinion, as much as I regret to say it, that perhaps some of these players had to have been jettisoned or at least kept... Dropped. Dropped and have it's alternatives. Incredible. So, it's incredible. But it's, it's so, so clear, at least to me, um, and, and, and I know that Stoke fans like to be experts in psychology and body language, as I've seen from so many posts about, oh, he doesn't look like he's up for it. But I think it's so, so obvious that these players are, are broken in terms of confidence. And whilst I appreciate that 
there may be a school of thought where they can just oh we'll keep them playing they'll eventually play themselves out of this rut actually maybe they do need a little bit of taking away from that limelight putting someone else in the team and you know get, giving them almost a hunger to try and do well when they mm. get the opportunity to come back in I don't think we inv- I, on reflection and it's easy to say in hindsight but we should have looked at more defensive cover and I think that will be a priority come January which is mad think... to think that I'm talking about January and we've not even finished September yet well, exactly <laughs> I th- I, but I think a lot of people went into the season with Shawcross and Martin Zindy myself included thinking the old adage oh a, a player might lose their pace but at least they'll know their position like if a striker yeah you lose your pace but at least you can still put the ball in the back of the net Ryan Shawcross you'd think and if you watch a Stoke match with a non-Stoke fan still they'll say oh they're not going to score from that corner they're not going to because this is Stoke it's like you're completely wrong we are the absolute <laughs> opposite of that now and it's and obviously in in a year or so ago whenever Mark Wilson kicked off about no defensive training like yeah mm. maybe we didn't do enough to defensive training but how do you lose it so bad that Ryan Shawcross can't defend a ball over the top that is the bread and mm. butter of a defender like Shawcross surely but he, they, they just can't do it and they have to take responsibility and it feels like now we're in a bit of a we're in a rut we're in such a rut that whenever it's started going bad obviously the crowd are getting on the back of the team yeah. and it's only going to get worse and it's just a spiral every single game and then oh you get a, you get a win against a, a probably undeserved win considering the goal against Swansea you think oh right now we're going to go on and get get on with it and it just falls to shit again there's a Bradley <laughs> Dack some, some yeah. guy called Bradley Dack yeah, it's frightening how uh, mediocre teams can have one above-average player, and he will just again terrify the living crap out of it. I think it was a, I think it was Powell for Wigan, and, and then it was a yeah. Dak yesterday. He just, um, he just kind of got between the lines, and it was like, oh God, what do we do? What do we do? And yeah, I don't want to go on too long about the defense because I think we all know that the issues are uh, there's massive confidence downward spiral there I think Eric Peters uh, has become so used to playing for us now he's not had serious competition in years for his position which uh, is poss- I think really seeping into his game because I know he's not been you know the best you know technical footballer in the world but some of the passes he makes and he's just like Come on, that is just lazy. It's it's really really poor stuff. And then you wonder about the motivation. Certainly, all four of that back line were playing in the Premier League last season uh, at at some point. And it's like we we just need a we need pace in there. We need just. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've always been a kind of uh, defender of Ryan Shawcross on on this issue, but. I've, we lack leadership there. We lack someone who's going to say, right, pull your finger out your ass, do what you can do in terms of defending, stay in position, get the right side of the attack. The amount of times we're the wrong side of an attacking player is just frightening. But it, it was noticeable. I, I saw, and I don't want to be like, oh, because he shouts more, he should be captain. But I noticed Ryan Woods yesterday was hammering his teammates in midfield for for doing this and doing that. I don't see that in any of our backline. And I'm not saying shouting that, more yeah. is leadership, it, it's, but it just doesn't it, seem to be there at all. It's, it's not a huge it's, problem. 
it's not that he's shouting more that it is it's that he's he's commanding he's telling players where they should be it's not a when when people said oh we should give the captaincy to glenn whelan because he shouts on the pitch glenn whelan tended to something would happen he'd bollock that player afterwards and that isn't what ryan woods did ryan woods was telling people where they needed to be he he has he, he, i think he has a really intelligent footballing brain and so and well he has to, to you've watching him in the last few games it's quite obvious he's a he's a smart player so he's he's commanding and that thing you say about leadership he is he's telling players where they need to be he's dictating the the play of the team the pro- the problem is with our team and this is this is come from the the woods thing he comes from Brentford, where I literally went to watch them the other week. And basically what they do there this season, I don't think it was a thing last season, but it must have been a part of their dressing room. Each week they have a different captain. So okay. the week I saw them was Watkins, the week the other week there'll be someone else every time. And, and some people might say that's ludicrous, it should be one captain. But what it does say, at least, is there is leadership all over the team. It's not... It's so easy for everyone to be like, Ryan, Ryan Shawcross is not a leader and there's no leadership in the team. Yeah, Ryan Shawcross... Yeah, maybe he's not as loud as, as other captains, but players need to take leadership within themselves and then with the rest of the team. This needs to be a team effort. We are in one of the worst positions we have been in for over 10 years. Players need to take some responsibility. We all look at that team and you think, where are the leaders coming from? Where are the players that are going to take this team out of this rut? And you just can't see it. But So I don't know how you get that. I don't know where, mm. where you get to a point where more players take responsibility. I don't know if that's on Rowett to say to the players... You are in this place. We need to get out of this together. You can. They, they're probably listening to the booing too much. The fans. Yes, the fans are going to be booing because they're. You're. You're. You've put this football club. You, those players. You have put mm-hmm. us in this position. There's no excuses <laughs> here. So you need to take it on your chin that football fans who pay money every week are disappointed in you and just get better. Because frankly, at this point in time, what else? What else is there for them to do except for yeah. just getting better? It's it's like our our banner on Twitter says, and as the song says, if I'd not seen such riches, I could live with being poor. We've seen mm-hmm. this. We we not. It's not that we've seen Stoke City do better. We've seen these players do better. We've seen much better from from the likes of Joe Allen. Now I've all you know. We've always wondered what his role was, but we've seen him play a load better than he is doing at the moment. I have no doubt Joe Allen is a better player than exactly he's showing. He's just. He he's a he's a broken toy. My I I would question Ryan Shawcross because he's now getting of that age where is he ever gonna get back into a into into good form? I certainly hope so. But God, we 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 know we can play better. So that's what the frustrating thing is. We we are better. We are better than this. The weird thing is that it's, we've had three games in a week and we've played three of the same lineup as well. That is, yeah, that is a yeah. big question mark that I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. It's like, if it, it's not working perfectly. As you say, Dave, we won against Swansea because they had a rubbish team and we got an offside goal. So this isn't a game that worked perfectly, no matter what the end result was. Maybe change something up. And I'm not saying I know the changes, but bloody hell. Like, it's three matches there's a lot of work for a professional footballer and when they're not playing particularly well anyway let's get the changes in don't come out afterwards saying and I'm, we're going to talk about this now probably but yeah I'll leave it for no, now because we're going to talk I, about it no, see see I would I would 
disagree. I think I think it's very easy for us to say in hindsight we should have made the, made the changes. But when a team has been low on confidence and they have won a game, I I don't think you can then say to those players, right, well I'm dropping you for this game because they've they've done what's been asked of them as a bare minimum. Did I they do? Like, did, did they do what was asked of them, or did they get a goal that was offside? They got but a know, goal. That, yeah, but they, they got the but, result. But yeah, but they kept a clean sheet as well. And so, if I, I don't know, I'm just thinking from a man management perspective, you can't exactly say to those players, "Oh, I'm going to drop." I mean, yes, well, not, of course not, you can. So he's not of dropping them when they're losing, though, is he? So he's not dropping them when they're losing. Well, like you're not changing it when we're not playing well at the good enough. What we just keep this same team throughout the whole season, regardless of win, lose, or draw, because <laughs> at some point something needs to change. Uh, well, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I want to uh, move on to talk about the uh, sort of attacking side of it because um, we have been scoring fairly consistently, and uh, I saw something about our. XG being one of the highest in the league in terms of you know points from XG and, and the rest of it, and you, know, you can definitely say like oh that game should have been three three because of the penalty and we having one cleared off the line right at the end and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we score two goals in a minute basically and you you kind of wonder uh, like oh is that is there an issue that yeah but fucking hell there is because. For 80 minutes of that game, we do not like scoring. I'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I or my dad said like we could play another 75 minutes and still not score. But lo and behold, uh, we do score. We score two in a minute. We get them panicking. But why Why did that happen then? Why, why did we come nowhere close to threatening the 75 minutes previously was it Crouch was it Berahino was it playing two up front I'm gonna I think Berahino made a massive impact yesterday I thought he came on with a with a point to prove in in my head I don't get why he's why he's been bombed out the team in the first place though this is this is kind of my point he's stuck with Juf he's Juf is one of these players he's stuck with and Juf hasn't done anything but he's bombed yeah. Berahino out the team, who's actually looking all right. He scored a yeah. goal. That's like bloody Christmas in the Berahino household. Yeah. I, I, God, I'll be proven wrong, won't I? Mid like when he when he doesn't do this, but I would think that Berahino's playing now. Like he yeah. did enough to for, for me. If I was manager, he now has a run in that position. Well, in the team, um, because I thought he. He he dragged that dragged us to a well nearly to a point which I'm I mean, all for Berahino continuing scoring completely average goals just every, <laughs> every every goal he now scores just to be a rubbish lucky sort of bowling they were they bowling were both nearly own goals weren't they both goals he scored so far <laughs> um, yeah I, I agree Chris I think Sido made just a massive difference when he came on but I I think that's kind of uh, we'll talk about the the reaction to the crowd show in a bit when we talk about Rowett's interview, but it made a massive difference for me the fact that we played two strikers, not necessarily two centre forwards within the system, but two actual strikers who who could get in the box. Mm-hmm. And I know Mamjuf, you, you can say he's technically a striker, but come on. Um, but Saido Berhino made runs that Juf wasn't. He looked like he knew where he was. He looked like he knew what his 
purpose was on the pitch, and which gets back to my frustration as to why he hasn't been playing. But all that aside, our goals come from essentially us switching up our style of play massively and just pinging it into the box, either up to Crouch or up to up to Sido and just hoping something happened. And it did twice. And we continued with that. And you know what? That last 10 minutes, if it, you know, you can say if it went on for another five minutes, we would have, we would have got a point. But um, I just can't see us in, even against Swansea. I don't think we're creative enough. I just think we, <laughs> we're so lacking. And I don't know if it's, mm. if it's the midfield because the midfield, it's all good players. And, Allen played all right against Swansea, and Atebo's a good player, and Woods has been great. But I don't know if it stems from the lack of creativity in those three, or it stems from mm-hmm. the front three, because Ince is there, he's offering something, he's a bit frustrating, but he he but he is our most creative player at the moment. But for most of that game, we had Ince, if he got the ball, something might happen, but that was it. Afobe was isolated, Juf was doing nothing, midfield three really struggling to create because Woods is so deep and he's mm-hmm. the only one who can pick a forward pass. So it's like, and it just seems so fucking obvious. Bojan, number 10, get one. Sido is a number yeah. 10. And, but I can't, I can't believe it. But he's, because he was too reliant on Vidra at Derby, who was really good for Derby, he now doesn't believe in number 10s. This just, it's just like, oh, oh, that that thing I did was really good. Oh, that thing I did was too good. So what I'm going to do good. is not do that thing. It's like, <laughs> if Bojan has a, a you know, four-game run in the team and he has a stinker in all of them, I'll say, you know what, fair enough. Go back to the way it was. But he has had one start this season against Brentford, where actually I thought he did okay. But, you know, bombed out the team. We don't see him again. The fucking patronising bollocks of the two-minute cameo. Like, oh, there, I've played him. There you go. you got two minutes there. You're like, come on. Yeah. We, we were crying out for something. A creative bloody pass. One pass is all it takes. As Dua Lipa didn't sing. One pass is <laughs> exactly what I thought as well. I mean, the fact that Bojan hasn't had, as you say, more than like one small opportunity is just it's it's going to mystify us all forever. I think. I'm I'm gonna gonna break with tradition somewhat and say I'm I'm starting to to question my Bojan love mainly because. We've had, I mean, we've had Mark Hughes who dropped him out of the squad and we all hate Mark Hughes, but dropped him out. Paul Lambert seemingly was given an opportunity to bring him back and for whatever reason, we didn't get him back. And now, new manager, everyone's had a fresh start. Berahino's been given a fresh start and he's proven, you know, that he is going to work himself to, to get into this team. And he's, yeah, granted he's been dropped, but he's been played more than Bojan. Mm. My fear is that, what is it we don't see? I love him. I think Bojan's magical. I, 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 yeah, I really like him. 
but I do wonder what is it that we don't see behind the scenes that is stopping him from playing because as as we've said you know we all think we play that player higher up the pitch a Bojan figure and we get results and I would assume that a person with more managerial experience and more footballing acumen than us would hopefully see that as well and if Bojan is not doing things in training to think yeah actually this is this is the guy I need in that position then I don't know I'm just I wonder if if Bojan's problem comes with being considered a attacking midfielder is is sort of it holds him back a bit where you where everyone considers Berahino as a striker and obviously what he's doing in that team is playing the exact same role as a Bojan would do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if Bojan was in it's it's considered oh he doesn't track back enough but Berahino yeah. coming in as a striker it's like oh that's fine because he's in that team and obviously yeah, yeah. Berahino is doing well and all I want is for Soap to do well and when Berahino is playing well and he has been doing um, when he's been playing then fair enough but maybe that's, that's something that's hampering Bojan in a Stoke-like team where it's like we can't afford to play a midfielder in that kind of role. But because Berahino's a striker, mm. he gets away with it a bit more. Maybe that's complete and utter bollocks. But I, I'm I've, just trying to think of why. It's kind of related to the point I wanted to bring up about Bojan, where um, there's there's the kind of more obvious tactical thing of, in a 4-3-3, where do you play him in our current system? And unless you want to try him deeper than... I'm not really sure. He's not a winger. He is a number 10 and there's no number 10 in this 4-3-3 that we're playing. But there's also, I think, a, uh, I don't know, it's kind of an inverse championship snobbery, I think. I think there's a bit of, oh, the championship's a rough and tumble league. Can we afford to give Bojan, who is, you know, very slight guy, can be shoved off the ball? Can we afford to give him a run of games? And, you know, I'd rather, in situations where we're losing, to bring on Crouch and go... Route one to try and get a result that way, then then risk uh, Bojan on the kind of the broader point of you know what is it we don't see that that's an interesting point. Um, I'm certainly you know I I would be very disappointed if it turned out Bojan was not really putting the hours in in the training ground and doing everything he needed to do, but I. I've certainly got faith that I, he is, and I'm not saying you yeah, you you're implying that, but yeah, no, no, I, I I certainly, I mean, I would I would hope that he, you know, he's there and he puts the work in, but I think you're maybe he he is judged as being too lightweight, and maybe he there is in training he is not showing himself to be otherwise. I just. I, I, I would completely agree that and be mystified that Bojan's not getting in the squad and be angry about it if Berahino, a player who I thought would never be in the squad again, who in the summer we were like, how are we going to get him off the wages? Oh my God, he needs to go down to League One, blah, blah, blah. If he hadn't have come in and proven a point and like actually changed my mind on him as a player, like if, if Berahino, a player who goodness me is in the press so many times mm. for whatever misdemeanors and who you dave quite right like and quite rightly towards the back end of last season never wanted to see again in a stoke shirt if he can change our viewpoint of him then 
you would hope Bojan could do the same, and maybe therefore maybe Bojan isn't showing whatever Gary Rowett wants. Yeah, in training, possibly. Um, and I completely ag- agree on Berahino, but I would argue that Bojan has not had nearly enough minutes on the football pitch no. to to justify um, to justify this kind of being frozen out. If he'd have played the first few games I mean Bauer was completely bombed out of the team seemingly on the basis of the first two games of the season and I would I would argue that Bojan has had nowhere near enough pitch minutes to either disgrace himself <laughs> or prove himself so it's like how how can we judge Bojan because we've just not seen enough of him and going back to Lambert it's like I, d- I wonder what happened there. I wonder if it was someone like Tony Scholes or Mark Cartwright in Lambert's here saying, oh, I don't bother bringing Bojan back. And it was very yeah. telling when Rowett first came and said in that interview, oh, what do you make of Bojan? He said, oh, he's a fan's favourite, which I thought fans was favorite. kind of a bit like, yeah, I yeah, don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's been told something or he's picked up something which indicates he doesn't fully rate him or having him in his plans, but he knows how the fans feel. So... Is is having him on the bench and giving him these five minute cameos sort of like a, a kind of peace offering to the fans who like him? Exactly mm. that. But uh, we'll move on uh, from that, and I can't believe it's nearly uh, forty minutes into the recording, and we're going to get on to the Gary Rowett post match interview. Um, hmm. I listened to this uh, driving away, uh, bombing down the M6, and as the as it finished, I went. Wow, because I've not heard a because post match interviews are usually so dull and boring and just <laughs> banal. And this was like, uh, this was as close as we've got on Radio Stoke to Frost Nixon. It was amazing. Um, first of all, <laughs> Nigel Johnson, where did that come from? He must have had a really <laughs> bad day because he was going in, he was like, Oh, you know, you could be shown the door, and he was kind, he was really properly hammering Rowett and gave him mm-hmm. gave him a good go um, but the kind of headlines for me were calling out Bauer calling out his senior pros calling out the fans for booing the sub now um, Bauer of course being the, the main thing that's got everyone talking but Chris uh, what were your kind of main takeaways what were your main thoughts on the interview uh, genuinely i thought it was a a a good thing and in the anger of post match that i felt it basically said everything that that i was kind of thinking i know that there's the argument that this is poor man management and certainly i was texting my dad after it and he thought that it was poor uh you know, it's the manager's job to get a a, a tune out of these players um, and to to lambast them in public like so is not going to do anyone any favors. Um, but the way the way I see it is that we 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 can we can keep blaming management and and tactics and and by no means do I think Gary Rowett is perfect and do I think that he's been an issue i think sometimes his management or his tactics rather haven't really paid dividends and as we've said throughout the majority of this podcast you know the lack of a number 10 these things have been frustrating 
Um, but I feel like accountability trickles down, and that we've had Mark Hughes, Paul Lambert, Gary Rowett now, uh, who have all come in, had this team, and Mr. Grumpy, Mr. Happy, and Mr. Angry. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> and we are seeing the same fragilities in this team. And whilst I will happily accept that Mark Hughes lost it towards the end and Paul Lambert was nowhere near good enough, the fact that these are recurring issues leads me to believe that, you know, the players have to be accountable for this. And my bloody hell, we started this season being so happy about being, we are the bookies' favourites for the opening of this season. And now we're, and with respect to the likes of Blackburn, we are losing to teams who we should not be losing to. And it's embarrassing. And maybe it's high time that some of the players felt embarrassed for it too. I think that this is probably a last resort on his part. I think, as I say, we've gone through so many managers, so many losses. How many private grillings of players have there been where that has not worked? How many... You know, it's all well and good keeping things in-house, but it's clearly not having an effect. And Gary Rowett has said these players are professional. On the training pitch, they're showing themselves to be defensively solid. But when we get out there, things are different. And so... And I I hate to sound all um, football dad on this, but if it was any other profession in the world and and you were not doing a correct job, you would be called out for it. If you were in, God knows, a profession that, I don't know, that that you would say, yeah. oh, God, I'm going to sound ridiculous. But yeah, if you were in a, in, a, in a profession like, I don't know, the police force and you made a mistake, goodness me, people are going to be, papers would chase you down and want to know individuals' names. And it's not the same because one is saving lives and one is football and one is more highly paid than the other. But they are paid a massive wage and they are responsible for their actions on the pitch. And there's only so many times Gary Rowett, I think, can say behind closed doors, tell players what they've been doing wrong and it then not have an effect. Maybe this is necessary. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think, to be honest with you, it's the closest I've ever heard a manager sound like he's on a a fan's podcast. Gary Rowett... (laughs) With basically us, he basically yes. came up with a lot of the frustrations we've been feeling. He is as frustrated as us because he's come into this team, and maybe maybe Gary Rowett came into this team expecting, like us, to absolutely walk the championship. We've got the players there on paper, and Gary Rowett, this is my time. This is finally. <laughs> I can't fuck this up because I've got the players. Um, we're going to walk it, and and that clearly hasn't happened. He realised that very soon, as as soon as we did, sooner probably. Um, but it hasn't happened like that and he's as you say he's probably had so many goes in the training pitch training ground he's probably said so much and as he alluded to and well didn't allude there was no alluding in this in this speech <laughs> of his um, he said that they're giving instructions to players and not following it and it's and I can I can understand the frustration we, we've all we've all been there when, you, when you're trying to do something it's just not coming off like football manager a lot of people will have goes at people with football manager but We've all sat there playing it. I mean, not me, not so much as, as you two, but when the players don't, they don't do what you want them to do, that is damn frustrating. So imagine... All right, Ben. Imagine 
if imagine if that was real life that is his job this is his time this is his reputation and, and it, he and that, he's, he'll feel embarrassed for it that's i think that's exactly it it's his reputation at the end of the day it's not ryan shawcross or the the 11 players on the pitch who will lose their lose their jobs at the end of it yeah they may get sold at the end of the season if someone comes into him but the first casualty will be him and so i can completely understand his frustration if he's telling these players what needs to be done and he's seeing them work well in training only for them to go on the pitch and do stupid mistakes that are frustrating for everyone like he's coming gary rowett is coming he's seen He's seen a vinyl record that is so exciting. He's seen Michael Jackson thriller, and he's pulled out. He's pulled out the record, pulled out the sleeve, looked in, and it's just broken. It's a broken record because it's the same thing every single time. What an amazing metaphor! You can have that one for free. There's there's so much packed into that interview that it's hard to really kind of get wrap my head fully around it. But I think uh, you both made uh, really good points. Uh, ben, you mentioned that if you know, it sounds like he's one of the fans. He sounds like he's, he's. Yeah, I, I think I said on Twitter. You know, if someone calls up Radio Stoke and says what he said, I'm like, yeah, damn right. You know, well said. And, uh, but the thing is, uh, we can talk about the individual kind of bits, and you know, we're talking about Bauer in more detail later. But the thing is, for me, is whilst I agreed with most of what he said and whilst I thought it was quite refreshing to hear a manager speak so honestly about his team because you know you hate how kind of stage managed these post-match interviews are the thing is it just seemed a massive risk for me it seemed like a bit of a gamble to do this in a post-match interview and it wasn't like he'd just been wound up by, by Nigel or anything. He kind of premeditated saying that stuff about mm-hmm. Bowie. And he clearly got in there saying, mm-hmm. right, I'm going to dig out Shawcross in the defence today. Because he wasn't even led there by the question. But the the reason I think it's a risk is because he can only do this once. He can't, mm-hmm. in the next interview, say, do the same thing again and call out individual players again because it gets repetitive and then the players will have definitely lost you know lost him mm-hmm. and then it will spiral down and he also can only do this once because he needs to back it up he needs to you know act on what he said he's going to do and drop these players that aren't performing but if he doesn't do that instantly you lose the respect of players and fans mm-hmm. if he doesn't um if he continues to call players out in interviews, they will lose respect to the players. And it just seems very, very severe to do this after eight games. This is a kind of last resort interview after eight games. And that is the kind of thing that's got me worried. It's the felt that the fact that he's needed to, to do this. And again, I'm the sentiment behind it. I'm, I'm with, but, if this is what it's come to at this stage of the season, I'm really... Because he sounded like a man on the edge. He sounded like he was about to snap at any point and say, right, this isn't fucking worth it because these are just a shower of shit. But he he sounded like he was about to snap. And if he's at this stage in September, then God help us, you know, what he could be like in December. And there's also the issue of 
how much he is to blame, which I think we should probably get onto soon. But um, again, after Swansea, he was bullish. He was like, you know, cock of the walk. We just won a game. And he said, this is my team now. This is the team I'll be judged on. And then instantly, mm-hmm. next game, terrible performance, terrible result. And then he's kind of almost self-flagellating, saying, oh, I've got to blame myself because I keep picking these players who are crap. Well, that's that's all well and good. But after Swansea, you told us this was your team and, you know, you, you were dead happy with the more positive direction we'd gone in after Wednesday as well. So you, you can't just, after, after a crap performance, say oh, it's, it's these long-term mistakes when, you know, after the previous game you're saying, oh, things are looking up now. You've got to, you've got to kind of contextualise your answer a bit more um, in your post-match interviews. And you've also, I think, I think the fan's answer was also a bit of a... He, he sounded like he had a chip on his shoulder when, he, uh, when we got onto the point about the fans booing the crouch up. He was like, oh, give me some credit. I know what I'm doing. Pointing out that Crouch comes on, we score two goals. Crouch did not change that game. Sido Berahino no. changed that game, and I think it's very patronising to to just think that they were just booing the sub because they like Benikafobe. They were booing the sub because not because of Peter Crouch, but because they're t- you're taking off a striker at a point where we need goals, and it just it didn't solve a problem particularly. I I don't think. So that that was my take on that. Um, on the Bauer thing, which again is the main kind of talking point from this one, it's it's like, is Morris Bauer a shithead? I don't know. Like, I don't want to think he is, but who? My my fear is that that yeah, he's he's just a little bit of a, a shit. Like, he's, just a, he's, a, he's shit at social media, I think. Yeah, like he doesn't get what he's doing on social media. That's for sure. It's it's difficult because he's such a lovely chap. I think mm. um, I I I don't I and I still struggle to insult Joe Allen as much as you guys do because I just think they're <laughs> too lovely I and I think it's similar for Maurice Power. <laughs> so I'm never going to be vitriolic about him. But it's obviously something that they would have talked about to not do whatever he's done or he's, he's done something wrong to this post on social media at whatever time. I don't know what he's like, what he's thinking there. Is it just innocence and he's not thinking probably not. So what does Bauer want to get from what he's doing wrong? I don't know because he said that I, he doesn't want to even be in the squad. I, I feel like, well, cause, because Rowett said that he'd spoken to Bauer the day before about this exact thing. And then, for it to happen, like I don't know, exactly. I kind of, exactly. I, I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't fill me with confidence for for Bauer in the team. Uh, ben has left uh, the pod because he's had enough. Um, yeah, but just a couple of things on the the Bauer situation. Yeah, I get the point that he's shit on social media and stuff, but I thought the the actual post he's been criticised for was fairly innocuous but obviously with if if he's claiming to have you know been working hard in training on social media and Rowett says no he hasn't then then that's obviously mm. an issue but it's not like he's 
you know, really saying stuff out. So I thought the point about our oh, Sheffield Wednesday know our team, um, Blackburn know our team before we played them was a bit bollocks, to be honest, because anyone would know that Bauer wouldn't have been in the starting eleven. So I felt that was slightly disingenuous. But I think it's more to do... I think Bauer is the fall guy. Um, mm-hmm. Rightly or wrongly... I think Bauer is the player that's going to be chucked under the bus to kind of hope, hopefully whip the others into shape. And I thought... If, if only he hadn't signed a new contract. Oh Yeah, this this isn't the fucking thing as well. Like, <laughs> he, he is a decent player. Um, you can argue to, to, uh, about the extent to which he made a difference last season, but he did play well last season when played in his proper position and not at left wing. Um but yeah, he's a decent player and he offers more going forward than Martina for me and it's 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 an odd one. He must be you feel like he has to be a prime shithouse for, for Rowett to do this <laughs> to to one of his kind of most highly regarded players and someone who's just yeah. signed a new contract so early in the season. Um and it's really I guess it's one of those things we, we won't ever know uh, about Bauer's attitude and stuff but it seems just it's desperately sad because I like Moritz Bauer as a player and he th- uh, you know he seems alright but to to hear this is you yeah. know really really poor it, it's disappointing it's definitely disappointing and like he, I, I really like him uh, he just comes across as a nice guy so it would pain me to think that he's you know not mm. working hard I feel Gary Rowett probably is quite highly strung, and so yeah. well he he seems it he seems it. Uh, amazing yeah. amazing comment on the Sentinel. Uh, I think you've seen this, Chris. Over uh, whose side are you on, Rowett versus Bauer? Uh, <laughs> this, oh bless him, this lad. Uh, we should have a minute's applause in the second minute next home game and a chant of "There's only one Moritz Bauer" to show Rowett whose side we're on. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, there's. Yeah. Uh, th- I realise we're kind of pressed for time, but there's a couple of things I just want to quickly cover. Uh, first of all, we've got this uh, email from uh, a guy called Chris. Chris, um, on Rowett's interview on Radio Stoke. Regarding Rowett's interview on Radio Stoke, I hear clearly the wails of the Rowett Out Brigade. And I heard the very eloquent argument by the lady that bookended the interview saying he was not a very intelligent man. Then I'm hearing a whole other bunch of people saying that he's clueless. I'm not sure any of these points of view are properly summing up the situation for me. I heard all of those comments about Hughes and Lambert, oddly enough to managers who also struggled with defensive frailties in the team, though Lambert was arguably improving that. Rowett sounds to me like an incredibly disappointed man, someone who has put considerable faith mm-hmm. in what were presented to him as strong individuals within the team only to be let down when they are let loose from the training ground and onto the field of play. I know any manager worth his salt should be able to motivate professional sportsmen to play for the shirt and I might have gone along with this theory myself but for the comments he made about seeing those defensive errors worked out on the training ground and that he saw a positive response there. In particular I thought it was telling what he said about Shawcross being 20 yards out of position and having to scramble back. I've also heard talk from the fans of him losing the dressing room, and I suppose that the Bauer story may be evidence of that, but I'm more inclined to think that this is a petty distraction 
These, as I have said, are professional footballers and should be capable of repeating what they do on the training ground in a live game. I still can't give Rowett a free pass because there still hasn't been enough time elapsed, but at the moment I think I'm more on his side than the players, who, love them as I do, in my opinion, are the more culpable parties. Love the pod, cheers. That's Mm -hmm. a really well-argued email, and it kind of uh, tied into something we can get into on future episodes about the kind of how culpable is Rowett for what has happened and how culpable are the players. But we haven't uh, talked about Skulls and Cartwright, who whenever, it seems to be whenever we lose a game, Skulls and Cartwright will get mentioned automatically. And <laughs> we don't really have time to go into that situation. But it seems like as frustrating as it's been, and for all my doubts about his interview... I don't think any of us are close to saying Rowett out yet because it's like he's gone into okay. a he's gone into a building where there's just shit everywhere. Someone has just thrown poo around and there's just old poo along the floors, along the walls, and all the bed all the beds got shit in it. And he's gone in there with a toothbrush to try and clean it up. And he's trying really hard with this toothbrush, but it's just not enough. You can't clean a shitted bed with a toothbrush. Yeah. Um so No. Hopefully he's he's sent out for you know proper cleaners and hopefully the the shitted bed will be all all clean now. But you can only do what he did once. And uh, to use a Mark Hughes expression, we need a reaction. We fucking need a fucking reaction <laughs> because welcome to the banter era of Stoke City. We haven't even got into the the fucking amazing penalty record which continued. We've missed six out of our last seven league penalties. That is Saido Berhino's uh, fifth penalty miss in a row, if you include shootouts. This is pure banter era. Like, I was, I was saying, you can't even make up what happened because we were so bad and they were about to score a fourth. And I'm like, oh, I wish they just scored the fourth because that was just pointless fucking torture. It was proper just <laughs> the football gods just having a good old banter with us. It was like, oh, here you go. We're going to give you a draw. You don't. Oh, no. You've missed the pen. Fucking <laughs> hellfire. Um, wow. Uh, uh, shall we wrap up there, Chris? <laughs> I, I, Yeah, I feel yeah. like we could go on and on and on, but then we've got a whole season to do podcasts, so let's keep some content for that, yeah. shall we? Uh, shall, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining me, Chris. <laughs> oh, you're more than welcome, um, Dave. I will leave you with three more comments from the Stoke City official Facebook page. Perhaps yeah. time to remove the toys installed in Clayton Wood. Pool table, table tennis and PS4. Then maybe they van focus on the football at the training ground. You know, like defending and penalties and set plays. Harley revolutionary stuff here, but back to basics. Should have been a 3-3 draw today, but when you miss a penalty and see goals like Stoke did, it's not going to be your day. And finally, <laughs> WTF did just happen to Stoke, man. Thank you very much for listening. Go on, Stoke. 